videntes autem stellam gavisi sunt gaudio manu valde. And seeing the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It's hard to know where to begin with the office and the Mass of the Epiphany. We'll hear this gospel practically every day of the coming octave, and it's one that's worth every bit of it. We need the whole octave to hear this gospel over and over again, to ponder every line of it, which is so full of significance, as is the prophecy of Isaiah in the epistle. One of the things that's striking is the extent to which the narrative of the gospel is taken up by the figure of King Herod. Our Lord comes into the world as we reflected about two weeks ago at the Feast of St. Stephen, the Feast of the Holy Innocents, he comes as a king into enemy-occupied territory. And that's true externally. He is born in, the, in Bethlehem of Judah in the days of Herod the king. That's the world situation into which he comes. It's also true spiritually. Herod represents the devil, the prince of this world. He represents the vices that hold our souls captive. Our Lord is born into this world which is under the dominion of the devil in order to set it free. And so when the news of his coming is announced to Jerusalem, Turbatus est, Herodes Rex, et omnis Jerusalem acumilum. Herod is troubled in all Jerusalem with him. The prince of this world is troubled when he hears the news of the Lord's coming. And those parts of our own souls that are still dominated by the prince of this world, still dominated by the vices, are also troubled when we hear of our Lord's coming, when we hear his voice calling to us, challenging us, we too can find ourselves troubled. And so there's a conflict that enters in in this gospel, even as our Lord has just been born. A conflict from which we know that he will emerge victorious, and that's precisely what was proclaimed after the gospel. The proclamation of the movable feast has a very practical value, as mentioned in the chapter. There was a time when this was how people found out when they would celebrate these feasts. But there's also a deep mystical significance to the fact that immediately after hearing the Gospel of the Epiphany, we hear the melody the exultet sounded that we'll hear on the night of the Paschal Vigil. And we hear the announcement, No veritis, fratres crecimi, know ye, most beloved brethren, that just as you have rejoiced in the nativity of our Lord, so too we announce to you the joy of his resurrection. And so we look forward already to the great combat that he will enter into with the prince of this world in his passion, which we will ourselves enter into with him in Septuagesima and in Lent. The victory that he will win by his resurrection from the dead, 
through his cross and resurrection, his triumph and ascension into heaven, his sending of the Holy Ghost, and even looking forward to his second advent as we heard the announcement of next year's first Sunday of Advent. And so our Lord comes to do battle with the prince of this world, Herodes Rex. And providentially, we hear that played out in the psalms of the office today, Epiphany happening to fall on a Wednesday, and the psalms that we say at the little hours on Wednesday are all psalms which remind us of our Lord's betrayal by Judas, and today they can also remind us of his persecution by Herod. We heard in the psalm at Terse, Why do you profess my covenant and take my law upon your lips, but you hate discipline and cast my words behind you? Words which could very easily be spoken to King Herod as he tells the Magi of his desire to go and adore, all the while plotting the death of our Lord. And so the Gospel of today presents us with this choice. Who are we with? Are we with Herod, who clings to what he considers to be his, his goods in this world, his power, his status? Do we let ourselves be troubled by the news of our Lord's coming because he will take away what we think we have? Or will we be with the Magi, who are open to the light of the truth shining upon them, and who leave behind their homes and what is familiar in order to come and adore him, to adore him in spirit and in truth, which we can only do if we are truly surrendered to him and to his will. That's the invitation which is put to us today, the choice to be with Herod or to be with the Magi, to cling to the things we want to hold on to, or to bring everything as gifts with which to adore the Lord. And as we seek to follow the Magi in their journey and in their adoration, we have before us the star. Father Pryor, Father Pryor reminded us this morning of St. Bernard's famous homily, Respice Stellam, look on the star, call upon Mary. The star guided the Magi on, the star of the sea, the Blessed Virgin Mary guides us as we seek to go and adore the Lord in spirit and in truth. Sometimes we feel that we can't go to him, and that's why we need her. We heard the words of Don Gabriel Sorte recently speaking about how much he needs Mary. He spoke in almost shocking language of his inability to go to our Lord without the help of his mother. But we know that it's indeed a, a truth of the faith that graces come to us, all graces come to us through Mary's mediation. And so she is indeed the star whom we follow as we go to adore the Lord. And on that note, I was struck by the ninth responsory at Matins last night. It's always interesting how the texts are juxtaposed in the responsories of Matins in ways that bring out things we wouldn't have thought of. Slight adaptations at times, but adaptations certainly made under the providential guidance of the Holy Ghost. In the ninth responsory, it said, 
The star which the wise men saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. That's what this translation says. In fact, the Latin response rate simply said, Evidentes eam gavisi sunt gaudio manu valde. Just the pronoun, eam, referring, of course, to the star, which is a feminine noun. But then the verse says, Et entrantes domum, entering the house, in venerum purum cum Maria matre eius, et procedentes adoraverunt eum. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And then the response comes again, et videntes eam gavisi sunt gaudio manio valde. That eam could be Maria matre eius. And when they saw her, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Because what, in a sense, does the star signify other than her who is the star that guides us on amidst the darkness of this world? As darkness covers the earth and thick clouds cover the peoples, the Lord arises over Jerusalem. Jerusalem, which is personified, enfleshed in the Mother of God. It is over her and in her, first of all, that the Lord's glory shines upon us. And she thus becomes the star that guides us on until we come to the place where the child is. And we find him always with Mary, his mother. May she intercede for us so that we may always turn aside from Herod, that we might hear the warning not to return to Herod, but rather to go back by another way turn away from Herod and all that he represents, to follow the Magi and bring all that we have to lay it before our King. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.